This episode is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for your free audiobook download. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars News and Commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one! This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. We thought last week was a big news week. It's huge every week now. We're going to have to start doing two shows a week just to keep up with all the news. <laughs> you think you got it in you? <laughs> no. No, I don't. <laughs> We're going to get it all in one show. So, yeah, let's just settle it now. We'll do one kick-butt show. One kick-butt show each and every week, breaking it all down for you, all the news. It's fit to report about Star Wars. Great to have you with us. Great to be back with you here at Rebel Force Radio, this week's show for February 22nd, 2013. And as I said, we've got all kinds of incredible news. We're talking Harrison Ford. We're talking Mark Hamill. We're talking Ian McDiarmid. All kinds of speculation and rumor and, uh, well, fighting, Jim. You got you got people claiming ownership over rumors now in the media. <laughs> oh, no. It's my rumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's play the game of telephone. Yeah, yeah. So all kinds of stuff coming up. Of course, Billy D and uh, a whole lot more. But first, if you've been listening to the show for some time, and if you were at Celebration 6 and had an opportunity to actually see Smuggler's Gambit live, of course, that's a great radio drama written by Kyle Newman and uh, his partner F.J. DeSanto and brought to life audibly by our own Jimmy Mack and a whole cast of talented voice actors among them, David Collins, who so artfully gave us the return of young roguish Han Solo. And uh, Jimmy guys are finding all kinds of great and creative ways to keep this living on for the fans of the radio drama smugglers gambit. And there's something brand new that you have to share with us this week, a contest. That's right, Jason. We got a Smuggler's Gambit contest. But first, if you weren't there on August 25th, 2012 at Star Wars Celebration 6 at the Digital Theater, you missed this. Here's a little taste of Smuggler's Gambit. When you punch the hyperdrive, I'm going to disconnect the main conduit, okay? We'll cancel our jump at the last possible second. And fry us all into pieces. Well, you got any better ideas? Just do it, Kerbal! jump solo i am right on your tail i've got a lock on your system wherever you go i go there is no getting away now well then you're just gonna have to follow us awesome that was the work of david collins and chewbacca the wookie and of course sam whitworth's real karata well you know what you can do is jason have you seen star wars insider 139 of course awesome because you've obviously seen the amazing article written by kyle kyle newman the Making of Smuggler's Gambit. This was a thrill to me to see this in the pages of the revered and venerable Star Wars Insider magazine. To actually see something that we created, Kyle, FJ, 
original artwork by Paul Bateman and photos by Sheldon Norton himself. <laughs> Sheldon, of course, the director of the upcoming documentary, When the Galaxy Listens. A lot of people have asked us, is that documentary still going to happen? Well, heck yeah, it's still going to happen. You know what's going to happen. We're going to be seeing Sheldon very soon. We're going to be shooting more footage for When the Galaxy Listens, and news on its debut should be coming soon. We'll have Sheldon on the show. He'll talk all about it. But his photos from that great night are there, and so that's an amazing article. Check out Star Wars Insider 139 for this incredible article written by Kyle. And last week, to celebrate the release of this magazine article, The Making of Smuggler's Gambit, we released the official Smuggler's Gambit Facebook page. It debuted last week, so be sure to go there and see videos, original artwork, and more from the one-time, one-and-only Smuggler's Gambit performance that happened at Star Wars Celebration. Just go to facebook.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. But even better than that... We got a contest, and to help us uh, explain what exactly this contest is all about, I'm going to bring on action figure customizing expert, loyal Rebel Force Radio listener, Brian Fulton. You know him as Darth Daddy from the Customs for the Kid blog. So let's uh, say hi to Brian Fulton, Darth Daddy. Hey, Brian. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Welcome to Rebel Force Radio. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So do I call you Brian or Darth Daddy? Usually I think everybody knows me as Darth Daddy in the customizing community. You are a player in the customizing community. You have this great blog called Customs for the Kid. Why don't you describe that to our audience? Uh, essentially, it's a community blog. It basically talks about contests that are going on in different forums. It displays action figures. I create an action figure at least once a week. Wow. And I put up a new action figure every week. I've been doing that for about two and a half years now. Amazing, amazing. So that's all at customsforthekid.blogspot.com. You can see all these great uh, customized Star Wars action figures. I myself, sir, am no stranger to the Dremel drill and uh, maybe a pack of Sculpey, and I'll uh, slap that stuff on an action figure and create the action figure I always wanted to have in my collection, but maybe uh, Kenner Hasbro hasn't gotten around to producing it, or will never produce it, or it's something completely out of my imagination. It's a lot of fun. It's a great hobby. Customizing Star Wars action figures. So, Brian, you reached out to me because you heard us talking about Smuggler's Gambit and how we would like to one day see Smuggler's Gambit action figures, action figures based on some of the original characters from Smuggler's Gambit, like Ro Karata or Ryder Thorne or Sweeper or even Han Solo in his jungle gear. So you reached out to me. You're being a player in the custom Star Wars action figure community, and you had an idea to do something really cool. Why don't you explain what that is? Yeah, I thought it would be a really good idea if we uh, maybe hosted a Smuggler's Gambit custom action figure contest. Yes. Yeah, so we're all about that, and we are going to do that. And this is going to be going on for about the next uh, five weeks or so. We're going to take this up till April 1st. So, Brian, why don't you tell everyone what the rules of the contest are? Sure, no problem. Uh, basically, the rules are going to be um, all the custom action figure entries – must be of characters that appear in the Star Wars radio drama Smuggler's Gambit. Now, custom action figures can be in a three and three-quarter inch scale, or you could even go larger, like a six-inch scale. Uh, just it has to be one of the custom action figures uh, that's created from a character in that radio drama. 
Now, participants are encouraged to submit as many entries as they wish. Uh, Photoshop manipulations such as glowing lightsabers and blaster fire won't be accepted. Uh, we just want to focus on the customs and not on their digital enhancement. Perfect, perfect. And so we are putting together a great prize package. It will be awarded to the winner at the conclusion of the contest, and we have details on that package coming soon. But just be thinking about things like video games and artwork and other cool things, autographs, DVDs. Be thinking along those lines. We're going to put together a really cool custom prize package and that will be awarded to the single winner now the judges for this contest are going to be myself jason swank han solo himself from smugglers gambit david collins the writer director of smugglers gambit kyle newman co-writer fj DeSanto, paul bateman and uh who am i leaving out i'm leaving out someone important aren't i well i think we're going to include you brian so you'll right, be cool. one of the judges as well. So everyone, get your photos in. We're going to feature them, the, the photos of these custom figures on not only our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio, but also on the official Smuggler's Gambit Facebook page, facebook.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. Again, the deadline is April 1st, 2013 at 11.59 p.m. So do not hesitate. Show no mercy. Go check out the latest issue of Star Wars Insider number 139 to see some of Paul Bateman's original artwork featuring Ro Karata and Ryder Thorne. And let your imagination go wild. Let's see what you could come up with. This is a, a great opportunity to show the creative forces behind Smuggler's Gambit what kind of creative force you can be with customizing Star Wars action figures. So, Brian, thank you so much for your help and your suggestion here. This is going to be a lot of fun to see what our creative audience can come up with. You'll be getting the word out among the action figure customizing community and getting the word out on all those web pages and forums. And uh, we just want to get as many entries as possible before the deadline of April 1st, 2013. All right, Brian, I hope you're up to the task. Oh, I am. <laughs> awesome, awesome. And, and for uh, all of uh, Brian's exploits in the custom action figure community, follow him uh, at Customs for the Kid, the official blog at customsforthekid.blogspot.com. Thank you again, Brian. Oh, you're very welcome. Take care. Take care. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... Smuggler's Gambit, a new Star Wars audio adventure. Written and directed by Kyle Newman. Co-written by F.J. DeSanto. And produced by Rebel Force Radio's Jimmy Mack. Recorded live at Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando. What the choice? Smuggler's Gambit stars David Collins as Han Solo and features the talented cast of The Clone Wars, including Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, Dee Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, Matthew Wood, Matt Lanter, Claire Grant, and Daniel Logan as Boba Fett. Hey, who's shooting at us? Leave us so soon, Solo. Shields, Chewie! I said shields, Chewie! Hear Smuggler's Gambit, a Han Solo adventure for free. And watch the behind-the-scenes video at StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. I should have left after the Death Star, huh, Furface? That's StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. And lots of it. Starting off with a big story, a big scoop, according to 
El Mayembe. Uh, this was this hit. I think I want to say Jim Friday last week mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. And what you had was you had a, a fellow who goes by the name of El Mayembe, who used to feed stories to some of the guys uh, at Ain't It Cool News. So he was a known undercover, well, I don't know about undercover, but he was a known, a known source, we'll say, for all kinds of uh, entertainment news. Oh, and That's interesting. I never knew the origins of El Mayimbe. El Mayimbe, yes. But uh, he finds himself now at uh, Latino, um, latinoreview.com. And as part of Fox News's outreach to the Latino community, uh, they have their own kind of sub-network, Fox News Latino, and El Mayimbe was a guest uh, on a program that's hosted by Victor Garcia, and he promised a scoop. He promised a scoop to Victor, and what better scoop than something about the new Star Wars films? And here it is. This is how he laid it on Victor Garcia. I stick to superhero stories and the stuff that families want, so I took it in formal Twitter poll yesterday and asked my, my followers and my readers, okay, you guys want me to find out anything Star Wars? So retweet for approval, and I got almost hundreds of retweets approving that they want Star Wars information. So I'm the kind of guy that gives the audience what they want. So I went, made my calls, did my rounds, and are you ready? I'm ready. Go ahead. It, okay, back in November, Harrison Ford said he was open to the idea of returning as Han Solo, but... It's official. Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford will reprise his role as Han Solo in the upcoming Star Wars movies. Which is big the deal. News. is done. It's huge. It hasn't been reported anywhere yet. And we're still not, we don't know yet whether or not, they're going to do a bunch of different stuff. They're going to do episode, what is it, seven, seven now? eight, nine. They're going to do some standalone films as well. Right. But, but he's coming back. And, and the, the speculation has always been that they're going to do... Uh, they're going to do, you know, Han Solo's kids, Han Solo and Princess Leia's kids. It's one of the stand but he's officially coming back as Han Solo. That is, that's amazing. It's, it, I mean, that's big news if you're a Star Wars fan. That, yeah. That's got to be huge news. Yeah, absolutely. It's official. So I found that out yesterday. I did my due diligence. Like, I do with everything. Triple check. Legitimate sources. Legitimate sources. Absolutely. So Latino Review is saying Han Solo will be played by Harrison Ford in yes. the new Star Wars movies. Yes. We don't know which ones yet, but that's going to happen. This deal is done. It's just formality right now. They haven't really announced it yet. So there you have it. El Mayimbe, a known source for entertainment news and scoops, says on Fox News Latino, it's a done deal. Harrison Ford confirmed. But he didn't stop there. Some have speculated that if Harrison Ford would return, would he be in just episode seven? Would he be in both in episodes eight and nine as well? And would it be just a cameo? What kind of role should we be expecting for Harrison Ford in his reprise as Han Solo? Usually it's like a cameo or stuff. Do we know any of that? Or is I don't it... know that much. I just know the deal's pretty big yeah. and significant for if, him. If it's significant, you've got to speculate that maybe he's going to actually be uh, doing a lot of acting in these movies. It's not just going to be a small thing. He's had a complicated relationship with Star Wars and researching it. He wanted to get killed off right. in Return of the Jedi, but George Lucas was against it because Han Solo was a best-selling figure at the yeah. time, and you can't sell dead Han toys. Right. Like, I remember when they froze. It was a big deal for me. When he got frozen in carbonite, I actually cried during Empire, and I had him frozen in carbonite in my house and stuff. And, and if you're fanboys like me, and maybe you a little bit, you, you, you knew that they actually did that because they were still arguing with with him if he was going to come back. 
Yeah. That's why they froze them in The Empire Strikes Back. They froze them. So I suspect, I, I could be wrong, I suspect that he might get his wish finally 30 years later in one of these Star Wars movies. Maybe yeah. not, but... And that's all speculation, but we know we have confirmed, Latino Review has confirmed, Han Solo's coming back. That's Han big. Solo's coming back. Harrison Any other, Ford. Harrison Ford. That's the big one right now. Yeah. So that's the big scoop. And uh, he says the... It's a big deal. Now, Jim, when he says that it's a big deal, I mean, you could interpret that several different ways. Is it a big deal monetarily, as in it's a big payday for Harrison Ford? Or is it a big deal in terms of the size and the scope of the role that he's going to be playing in these films? Oh, Jason, it obviously uh, means all of the above. It's uh, huge for not only fandom and Harrison Ford's bank account, But let's face it, the history of cinema. We are talking about the continuation of an iconic character. It's like bringing Clint Eastwood back to play the man with no name. Or Dirty Harry, for that matter. It's just one of those great cinema legendary characters. You know what it's like? It's like Harrison Ford coming back as Han Solo. There's nothing else you can compare this to, I don't think. Well, you'd be hard-pressed. I mean, I just named the, the Clint Eastwood examples. Those will never happen. Okay, those were moments in time for old Clint before he started arguing with them. But I mean, chairs. even if they did happen, it wouldn't get nearly the buzz as this is getting. I mean, this is this is huge. no, 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 no. Of course, that's that's not. what I'm because trying to those, say. Because I mean, those film franchises do not have the cultural impact that Star Wars right. has. Go out and search for Dirty Harry podcasts and report to me on your results. You will come home empty-handed, son. Right. Star Wars is where it's at. It's going to make a huge impact on pop culture for him to return. I just don't want him to wear the same clothes. Now, something that Victor Garcia said jumped out at me, Jim. I don't know if you caught it, but I was not aware that them freezing... Han and Carbonite was a result of some sort of contractual dispute or them trying to lure him into the into the third film. My understanding is that they were all signed for three movies. No, no, that, that actually is uh, is true. I believe Harrison was signing his contracts on a film by film basis. I, I'm not 100% sure on that. I'd obviously have to do my research. I wasn't expecting you to, I mean, to bring I, that up. But well, I have definitely heard that before. Well, that I had heard that he wanted, he yes. wanted, he thought that Han should die. But I didn't know that that was some sort of, uh, they worked that into the script just in case he didn't come back. I'd have to be able to find the Somehow, and I just can't do it on the fly. But it certainly seems like something I've heard over the years. But again, I can't. Well, I think it's a variation of what we've heard. You know what I'm saying? It could be. It could be. I mean, El Maimbe, he's the one triple-checking his sources. I wish he would have done that for this and said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read that in Making of Empire Strikes Back by right. G.W. Or if it's actually in there. Or the Star Wars annotated screenplays. Who knows where Maimbe got his information from. But I know as someone who consumes and reads a lot of information about Star Wars, it's something that actually might have its legitimate foundations in reality. Sure. Like, like we know that Mark Hamill was involved in a car accident in between the filming of Star Wars and Empire. And some have said that that's why Luke is beaten up by the Wampa creature at the top of Empire so that you could explain why he looks a little bit different. 
It looks a lot different, actually, uh, from, you know, between Star Wars and Empire. So was Han being frozen carbonite some sort of device to cover their bases in case Harrison Ford's agents did not reach a, uh, an agreement with Lucasfilm? I don't know. I, I Again, I remember hearing that Ford thought that the, that the character should have died uh, for the sake of the story and the plot, but uh, I don't recall them actually doing that as a failsafe. But I will say this. No sooner did this story hit the interwebs, but Jeff Boucher, a writer for Entertainment Weekly, was shooting it down. He took to his Twitter feed, at Jeff, and that's G-E-O-F-F, Boucher, B-O-U-C-H-E-R, and said, Harrison Ford deal? My source says not yet. Quote, it will not be for weeks and perhaps months. Now, he's not saying that it's not happening. <laughs> so, I mean, we're, we're, what are we arguing over here? Uh, well, Mayimbe is saying it's a done deal. It's official. But then he, he does also say, you know, in parentheses, just formalities need to be taken formalities, care of Formalities, right. So, so what Mayimbe is essentially saying is that there is a handshake deal going on here for Ford to play solo. And I believe Entertainment Weekly on the other side of the coin is saying, mm, not quite that far along in the process. When we're talking weeks and months doesn't sound like a handshake deal is in place to me it doesn't sound like there's a a word of uh you know uh, a faith and i'm sure that the script is still being worked on i do not think the script for episode seven is complete at this point from indications that i'm getting and well you think it'd have to be close if they're going to make that 2015 date uh, yeah absolutely you bet they're under the gun right now don't don't kid yourself they are under the gun right now so I think that, and, and so why make that that 2015 date? But you know, you know, stockholders. What what was the point of it? Look, because we know, Jim. We know that George was notoriously late in getting delivering his scripts for the prequels, especially oh for episodes two and three. The prequels were under full production, and they didn't have a completed script. Right. But Harrison is going to hold out until he can see that completed script. He's not going to sign nothing until he sees the completed script and then you know why because he'll probably want to weigh in on a few things so. well our old friend justin la Salada responded to jeff boucher and he says hey wh- what will take weeks months ford signing his contract or the official announcement and boucher responded to justin and said the deal so it's not just formalities as Mayimbe would have us believe the actual deal is still up in the air and then if you you got to go over to twitter and check this out because Boucher gets into it with um, Jim Dory, um, who is – I don't know who Jim Dory is, but I, I, I would assume another entertainment writer. And they start uh, – I, actually, I think he's with uh, Market Saw. Yeah, Jim Dory says, uh, this story makes it sound like it's news. Market Saw had all of these stories back in 2009 and oh, last November. Jim, you remember – those early, early rumors about new Star Wars films. Yeah, I do. I do remember that being we talked the about of, them right here. Yeah, Star Wars fan days. I recall us sitting there talking about those things. So, uh, yeah, really, uh, it was couched as new 3D films. Do you remember that? That was the yeah, yeah. So you know, I, new Star Wars films have been speculated for a long time since oh, I don't know, 1983, and. Eventually, you're going to be right. You know, it's kind of like uh, it's like having Mickey Rooney in the death pool every week. Eventually, <laughs> don't say Mick. 
Not Mick. Hey, listen, if you keep throwing the stuff up against the wall sooner or later, That's it's right. going to stick, right? That's right. But uh, so the, to, to, to watch the PP match unfold here on Twitter is kind of funny because uh, Boucher responded. He said, well, that must be frustrating. But to be candid, writing posts about all your ignored scoops just seems needy and self-defeating. But, Jim, you know, this speaks to what you've said for a long time about Twitter and the snarkiness that ensues with that with that medium, you know? Yeah, there's just something about that atmosphere that occasionally will bring out the worst in people. Yeah. Now, Roger Friedman, who's another uh, pretty well-known writer in the entertainment business, uh, writes for Showbiz 411, he responded to this story by saying, hey, I just got back and saw a story running wild about Harrison Ford playing Han Solo in the new Star Wars revival. No one seems sure about it. I was told some time ago that Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill would be reprising their roles in Episode 7. Obviously, this new movie won't pick up where Return of the Jedi ended. It's some time in the future. Han, Princess Leia, with a presumably better hairstyle, and Luke Skywalker will be a lot older. Their children will be the new main characters. R2-D2 and C-3PO will be unchanged, I, I would guess, since they are not human. But suffice to say, the three main actors are definitely coming back. The bigger question is, which young actors will play their kids? So he's saying, look, I don't care what you're arguing about. The big three are coming back, but that's not the real story. The real story is who's going to be playing their kids. But I think for me and for most fans, the real story for us, because we won't be we won't be able to sleep until we know for sure we're getting all three of them back. True, true. And I believe in the, uh, I believe in the force and the nature of the force and the will of the force. And I think the will of the force will bring us Mark, Carey, and Harrison, all three of them back for Star Wars Episode 7 and perhaps beyond. Well, you know, the one thing that I take away from all this, Jim, is whether it's Mayimbe, whether it's Jeff Boucher, or whether it's uh, Roger Friedman, you have three writers that cover this beat regularly and they're all pretty much saying the same thing Harrison Ford as Han Solo it's a matter of timing it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when now sounds good to me that sounds good to me i mean really if you want to think about star wars moving into the future and you have these talents still among us and still actively working bring them in you know bring them in do what we've always heard was going to be done. Mark has several times over the years made reference to these conversations he had with George about returning for the sequel trilogy uh, sometime in 2011. <laughs> you know, because and there's Mark. He's like, really? Oh, wow. I can't wait. It's been on his oh calendar God, for the last 35 years. It's, it's only 1980. That means cars will fly. <laughs> What, what are you going to do to make people excited? You know, so, but, uh, but seriously, George would be teasing him, saying you're going to yeah. come back and play an Obi-Wan Well, because Mark was the character. only one really on the set that wanted to know more. I mean, you know, Mark, as a, as a, a fan of genre television, genre films, and comic books and all that, he was so invested in the characters. And he would, you know, from what we're told, pester George on the set, wanting to know more. Yeah. And uh, we joked that maybe that throwing it out there that he would come back and play a Obi-Wan type character as an older Luke was just to kind of get him to shut up. But <laughs> you're, you're going to play an old, old Luke Skywalker. You're going to come back and be the wise old sage. So now leave me alone. 
<laughs> but then Mark's like, yes, I can't wait to go tell Harrison. Harrison, <laughs> you'll never guess what. Who cares? That's how it went down. That's how, That's it, went how down. it went down. Ask Mark. He'll tell you the exact same story. So it seems like uh, Han Solo is the subject of a lot of conversation these days, principally because it was one of the characters that was tossed out as rumored to be featured in a standalone story that Bob Iger had talked about. Now, Bob Iger didn't mention Han Solo specifically, but he did confirm that they were working on some one-off standalone films to go along with this new series of uh, Star Wars back on the big screen. Hollywood.com talked to Star Wars author Timothy Zahn. Of course, we know him for... uh, his role in really, Jim, creating the modern expanded universe with the Thrawn trilogy back in the early 90s. Oh, absolutely. His impact on Star Wars and Star Wars fandom, especially in the dark times, cannot be understated because he really kept it alive for a lot of people. As a matter of fact, he the release of those novels was a sign of the rebirth of Star Wars as we know it today. It all kick-started with Heir to the Empire, and the train has just been rolling since then. And, I, you know, I, there was some big claims made on the dust jacket of that first novel, Heir to the Empire, that said this is an official continuation of the Star Wars saga. Yeah. Thus began the whole is it or isn't it canon debate. So who better? to talk about the future of Star Wars on the big screen and to speculate than the guy who already did it, but he did it in books. Timothy Zahn. So Hollywood.com caught up with Timothy Zahn, asked him who he thought could play a young Han Solo in a standalone film. Zahn said, the key for me is not so much about getting the individual actor correct as getting the chemistry between the actors That's something Lucas did beautifully in the classic trilogy, Han, Luke, and Leia. The chemistry works perfectly. Roddenberry also pulled it off with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. That kind of casting is an art more than a science, and a lot more important than does this person look like a young Harrison Ford. And Jim, when I heard that, I started thinking about J.J. Abrams and how well he recast the crew of the Starship Enterprise, in particular the Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Trio for that series, despite insurmountable pressure. So if anybody is going to be running the show and there's speculation that J.J. Abrams is not just tapped to direct Episode 7, but is going to be the guy that's sort of overseeing the whole return of the Star Wars films to the silver screen, which would include perhaps... Maybe some sort of producer role in the uh, in the standalone stories. Who better, Jim, than to to lead them through this casting process and somebody who's already done it with equally you know equally iconic characters? So true. And why just contain JJ to the film? So um, he certainly has had his experience in television, and there is always that talk about that live action Star Wars TV show. Could perhaps J.J. Abrams also have a hand in that, if that ever goes in front of the cameras? I think maybe he could. I think that this could be a long relationship that he shares with Lucasfilm, not just one film. 
Maybe I, it's just going to be one film. Who knows? You know, right at this at this time, it's so much fun to speculate because there is no right or wrong. And you can really shoot for the stars and speculate your brain out. And I just happen to think that with J.J. Abrams having not only film credentials, but television credentials as well, that would be a source to really want to mine. Maybe J.J. is saying, well, maybe enough of TV. I did Lost. I did Fringe. It's time to move on. Just make myself a film director. But I don't know. I don't know. I think Something he's just one of those me. guys that loves telling stories. It doesn't it, matter. It doesn't the, the matter medium. what the medium is. Much right. like George. Right. Much like George. Much like George. Absolutely. Uh, Tim Zahn also talked about um, maybe some of the ways that you could believe in a younger Han Solo played by a different actor. He says, I think whoever plays young Han, if this actually happens, can get by just by watching Harrison Ford in the movies, how Ford speaks, the little smirks, the lopsided grin, the twinkle in his eye, the sense of humor, the feeling that he'll do whatever it takes to get it done. Think about how Josh Brolin played young Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black 3 and absolutely nailed it perfectly. The gestures, the voice, everything. If you can find someone with that level of ability, you've got your young Han Solo. So, but it takes more than just being some kind of cheap impersonator, you know? It, you really have to have legitimate acting chops and legitimate understanding of what makes the character tick, not just how to grin lopsided or how to give a furrowed browed look to your Wookiee companion. You know, it's, it, it's, it's gotta be deeper than that. We have to have an actor who has some legitimate chops and just isn't a bun, you know, isn't, arm candy for Chewbacca. You know, we, we, we don't want him just looking like Han Solo. We want a guy who can really throw down and make us believe that he's Han Solo. Yeah. Well, you get to the point where these characters transcend the actors that played them. And so to think that Harrison, or excuse me, that I'm interchanging their names here, but to think that Han Solo can only belong to one actor. I mean, you could think about Hamlet. Hamlet doesn't belong to just one actor. Mm-hmm. Sure, some think of Olivier, some think of Kenneth Branagh, some think of Mel Gibson. But that character is paramount. That is, that's central. And so I think it's going to be difficult for us as part of the original Star Wars generation. And yes, guy who emailed saying that I'm not part of the original Star Wars generation. I reject that. I was in the theater. 1983, Return of the Jedi. That makes me part. Who's calling you out? There's a guy. I I wish I could bring up the email, but yeah, it was calling me out. The email, I think, was actually sent to you, and he was talking about how he and you are both members of the original Star Wars generation, unlike me, who claims to be, because I didn't see a new hope in the theater. <laughs> so I'm not part of the original generation. I beg to differ. Oh, okay. I beg to differ, my friend. But anyway, um, it's going to be harder for us because that's all we've known. But would would a Clone Wars fan who is not as into the original trilogy as we are, would would a fan of the prequel generation be as particular as we are about who might play a young Han Solo. I doubt it. I doubt it. One thing we know, we'll talk about it later on the program is George is always looking to the future 
Star Wars fans. He's more interested in creating something that they'll love rather than backselling it to the, the the fans who you know were with him back in 1977. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's uh, that's interesting as we approach this new era of Star Wars on the silver screen because all indications tell us that uh, Disney wants to move forward with Star Wars and not look back and bring it back to Lawrence Kazan was just saying this. We talked about it last week to recapture the things that made the star Wars movies. He worked on originally recapture that magic that Kazan stopped himself short of saying that might have been missing from the prequels. He stopped himself short, but I think the message was loud and clear in what he was saying as they move forward. They want to capture the fun and sense of adventure that was very prevalent in the star Wars original trilogy. And for me to, you know, to reference Kasdan by, by no means am I saying that the prequel trilogy was devoid of that fun and devoid of that sense of adventure. But I think everyone listening to the show understands what I mean when I, when I, I make reference to that, it's not a judgment call. It's just how Kasdan sees it. And how a lot of people see it, quite honestly. You know, I I remember back in the mid-90s when the whispers began that production, pre-production was underway for a new trilogy of Star Wars films. And my good buddy, John Popa, who we had on the program, he was we, we've dubbed him the prequel hater. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to John, and he said, you know, the Star Wars fans out there that are excited about these movies, I got news for them. These movies are going to feel and look completely different from what they're used to. I remember him saying that. I, I, I can actually picture myself sitting uh, in my room at the time with him saying that to me. And I thought, no, no, they're going to they're going to. No, it's George Lucas is doing it. They're going to feel it's going to be like, you know, going home. And when you mentioned what you did, Jim, about that fun element, perhaps being uh, missing, I think that the issue is, were they meant to be that way? Were they meant to tell the story in the same way? Or are they there to depict the Star Wars galaxy in a different light because it was a different time? And we can we can go back and forth and. And and make uh, real world exceptions. Some some would call that being an apologist, say for the prequels. But we admit the warts. I mean, in order to really take it all in and appreciate it on the level that I think that we do, you have to be able to laugh at some of the things that maybe uh, don't come across so well. We've talked about it here. I hate sand. <laughs> uh, you know things like that. But. It's that dialogue not, can't be helped. You can't apologize for that. No, you can't. No, no you, you can't. cannot. I wish I could just wish away my wishes. No need to report that until we have something to report. Keep wishing. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, it made me wonder. Now we have a new set of films coming out. And would my buddy John be standing there saying, you know, prequel lovers, 
out there, these movies are going to have a completely different feel than uh, everything you're used to. So, I, you know, we'll find out. I mean, it's certainly having and dealing with those familiar original trilogy characters, uh, it'll have to bring the focus back to what Lawrence Kasdan is talking about, that sense of fun. Later on in the program, we'll have some quotes from Mark Hamill, who's actually ma- making some very public statements about the future of Star Wars on the silver screen and what he would like to see and all of that. So, and he talks a little bit about the difference between the prequel films and the uh, uh, <clears throat> the original trilogy that he was a part of. Last bit here from uh, Tim Zahn. They ask him about, other than uh, Han Solo, Harrison Ford, uh, who would you like to see? Which characters would you like to see from the films get their own spin-off treatment? He says Lando is an obvious one, of course. I'm sure Tim Zahn's a big fan of Rebel Force Radio and listens to the Billy D quote of the week. He's a big fan of Lando because you could do a lot with Lando during the time leading up to The Empire Strikes Back if we're going post-Jedi era, which I, frankly, would like to see Wedge put together Rogue Squadron. I think you could have a whole series of Rogue Squadron movies, and that would be great. Wedge is peripheral, but he's very popular, and rightfully so. Who else helps to take out two Death Stars? You could even do an X-Wing TV show focused on Red's Rogue Squadron, just like the books. It'd be peripheral to the main Skywalker solo saga. You can introduce a lot of new characters anchored by Wedge. You can make a wonderful stuff out of the X-Wing books. Jim, what do you think about it? Uh, I, I never really thought about that if, as, a, as a TV series, Rogue Squadron, the TV show. Oh, God, I thought about it. I used to hear rumors about a potential Saturday morning Rogue Squadron TV show uh, going back to uh, when the prequels were coming out. I used to hear about that, along with a young Jedi uh, t- Saturday morning TV show, too. Live action. It's just a rumor, but um, this isn't the first I've heard about a a Rogue Squadron X-Wing TV show. Uh, I, of course, would love to see the further adventures of Wedge. Uh, I'll always think back to that classic cover from Star Wars Insider back in the early days. Uh, The Cult of Wedge was the cover story. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, back then, really, people weren't talking about Wedge too much. It was just, you know, it was a cult. The Cult of Wedge. Who is this guy? He gets dialogue. He survives. He takes out Death Star 2. And he doesn't even have an action figure. He's hugging Lando at the end of Jedi. Yeah, so he's obviously a big-time player. But uh, we never saw a Wedge action figure for years and years. Um the Cult of Wedge. And, of course, you know, I want to know more about, like, Son of Porkins, perhaps, or, uh, you know. Does that maybe, make Porkins, uh, Porkins the Elder, then? Exactly. Or maybe Biggs' mustache survived, <laughs> and there could be something about his adventures. I don't know. He goes but, off into an adventure with Darth Maul's pants. <laughs> We had Sam Witwer talking about somewhere in the galaxy far, far away. Clearly, the bottom half of Darth Maul is having an adventure. (laughs) Yes, with Luke's hand, Anakin's forearm, you name it. Both of Dooku's hands. Um, uh, But this is something I've thought about over the years is this Rogue Squadron TV show. Because I was a fan of the books, of Mike Stackpole books uh, back in the 90s. 90s. And uh, yeah, it would have made a really cool TV show because it wouldn't necessarily interfere with the overall continuity of the Skywalker solo saga, as, uh, as Zahn says. And it could help you really mind some great characters. Uh, they all seem to have
have wonderful chemistry, at least on the pages of these novels that came out in the 90s. So, uh, you know, that that could be something interesting to do. I, I also love the comic book that Dark Horse did at the same time the novels were coming out. But uh, I never really read on to the Aaron Alston version of uh, X-Wing Rogue Squadron. I just read the original four by Stackpole, and I enjoyed them a great deal. So I could see that just not necessarily an exact copy of those novels or comics, but just something that sort of captures that vibe. You know, you can have all different characters in Rogue Squadron, uh, you know, not necessarily being held back by the novels, or you could just do a straight copy of the novels. It, it definitely is something that would have some potential to me as a Star Wars fan. I think that would be a, a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah, I think it, it, I love the fact that it could be a peripheral story to what we're seeing and um, that was always appealing about some of the things we were hearing about the Star Wars live action series that's on the shelf was that right. you might, you know, even though Vader wouldn't be a, a prominent character uh, or Palpatine wouldn't be a prominent character, there was always the promise of a, of a cameo or that you would hear, you know, what was going on in that familiar uh, you know what, what what's going on on the other side of the camera, which is the the stuff that we, we we've seen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I love that. I've always loved that idea. You know what? Let's take a break from uh, the news here and give something away. What do you think? I love giving things away because Star Wars gives so much back to us. We are just compelled to give back. And so we want to get back to the Star Wars community right now with help from our friends at Random House. We're going to give away two signed hardcover copies of Aaron Alston's Star Wars X-Wing Mercy Kill. It just came out a couple months ago. It's a hot book. It's the continuation of the X-Wing Rogue Squadron Actually, the Wraith Squadron stories is uh, what's being told uh, in these uh, Alston books. And he continues with a lot of beloved characters from his books with Star Wars X-Wing Mercy Kill. So we're giving away two hardcover signed copies of this great book signed by Aaron Alston. Two winners will be chosen at random next week on Rebel Force Radio. If you want to be eligible, all you got to do is email us, show at rebelforceradio.com with the subject message, X-Wing. Simple. X-Wing. Doesn't get much easier than that. uh, We do have to limit this to U.S. residents only, please. So I hope our friends overseas understand. For all of our brothers in the States, all of our brothers and sisters, all you have to do is send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com with the subject message, X-Wing. And you're eligible to be chosen at random next week for a signed hardcover copy of Aaron Alston's Star Wars X-Wing Mercy Kill. You know, Jim, it seems like everybody is talking about Star Wars these days, whether they're involved in Star Wars or not. It was funny. I, I caught wind of an interview with uh, director Brian Singer. He did with uh, Movie Phone uh, not that long ago. And he was actually talking about one of the actors in uh, his upcoming sequel to uh, X-Men First Class. By the way, did you see X-Men First Class? I did not. Did not. I haven't seen it yet either. And I'm a big uh, X-Men oh, yeah. movie fan. Absolutely. Uh, I've seen them all. I love them all. I just haven't gotten around to that one yet. There's a, a young actor named uh, Nicholas Holt, who I remember is just a little kid in uh, About a Boy. Great movie. Have you seen that with Hugh Grant? Great flick. Well, if you're going to ask me if I've seen two movies, I obviously I have to say yes to the second one, even though I haven't. <laughs> you I, haven't I, seen... Really? You haven't seen About a Boy? I, I believe that. I, I'm more shocked about X-Men First Class, but... Anyway, 
This uh, young actor, he's also in that movie, uh, He's Still Dead, but uh, what, what was it? Uh, Warm Bodies, that's it. Nope, didn't see that one either. Well, no, I... <laughs> I've seen nothing! <laughs> um, the reason I bring it up is because you got Brian Singer out there <laughs> who's going to be working with this guy in the sequel to uh, X-Men First Class in X-Men Days of Future Past. Of course, Brian Singer coming back to helm that film and uh, hopefully work a little magic on that franchise. And he's saying that Nicholas Holt would make a good young Han Solo. In fact, Movie Phone says, I'm seeing Nicholas Holt's name on some short lists to play a young Han Solo. Brian Singer says, I don't know anything, but I literally would not be surprised if something like that happened. I almost said something to Nick today about it. Like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you find yourself in one of those. Obviously referring to the Star Wars films. But I have no idea, even though I'm working with Simon Kinberg every day... And he is involved with that franchise. I have no information about that. It's just my own intuition. Oh, yeah, really, Brian Singer? You're working with Kinberg every day. The two of you have not talked about this. Please, I find it very hard to believe. Very hard to believe. Jimmy Mack, is he laying some groundwork here? Is he preparing us for some sort of announcement about young Nicholas Holt? Well, obviously, it's something he'd like to see happen. So he's going public with the idea. You know, you plant the idea in the public's head and and it's easier to push. Now, I'm looking at pictures of uh, Nicholas Holt right now. He has a uh, very short hair. I do see a lopsided grin in one photo. So <laughs> Tim Zahn will be happy. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously passed some of the criteria. Uh, there's something about him, though. Um, uh, it, the, You know, like I said, to me, the most important thing is for him to have the acting chops. He looks young. He does look young. Does he look scruffy? I'm trying to determine the nature of the man's scruffiness. You got to have at, scruff appeal. I keep looking at some clips here from Warm Bodies. His hair is longer in this film than mm-hmm. it is uh, in some of these red carpet photos I'm seeing of him. He's a good-looking guy. Um, very blue-eyed. Very blue-eyed. I don't think mm-hmm. Harrison had the blue eyes. This guy's eyes are piercing and blue. Piercing? He, Did you just piercing. say Piercing. Piercing, they they look right through you. These 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 ice cold blue eyes of Nicholas Holt. They could be contacts too. They could be, but the red carpet pictures have him. Oh oh, red carpet pictures. Yeah. No, I mean I'm just I'm trying to see Han Solo in these still shots of Nicholas Holt, and I'm just not getting the vibe. But this is this is where it gets really exciting this week, guys. Leave it to Mark Hale. I, I actually. Off uh, off mic, I was telling Jimmy Mack earlier today, I just love Mark Hamill. I, I really do. <laughs> Politics aside, I love Mark Hamill because Mark just keeps it real. And with all of the secrecy and the rumors and the whispering, there's Mark talking as loud as he can going, this is great. This is exciting. Hey, I'm meeting with Kathleen Kennedy tomorrow. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, so there's some great, great stuff. Mark, of course, out on the uh, promotion circuit promoting Sushi Girl, where he plays a, a creepy serial killer or something like that. I don't know. I haven't seen this thing, but he's really creepy looking. It's out on DVD and Blu-ray this week. So he's making the rounds and he caught up with the folks at ET Online. They're asking him, what does he think about the planned spinoff 
Star Wars films. Mark says it's all very, very exciting and so unexpected. I think that's the quality I like about it most. It's like getting a pair of pants out of the closet you haven't worn in three years and finding a $20 bill in the pocket. It's just so unexpected. So Mark, very excited about this. Um, They come right out and ask him. This is the first time I'm aware of him being just point blank asked, will you appear in Star Wars 7? Mark's reply, they're talking to us. George wanted to know whether we'd be interested. He did say that if we didn't want to do it, they wouldn't cast another actor in our parts. They would write us out. I can tell you right away that we haven't signed any contracts. We're in the stage where they want us to go in and meet with Michael Arndt, who's the writer, and Kathleen Kennedy, who is going to run Lucasfilm. Both have had meetings set that were postponed on their end, not mine. They're more busy than I am. So you got Mark being really, really upfront, honest, and open about all this, Jim. When he says they're talking to us, does he mean they're talking to me and my peeps or they're talking to me, Harrison, and Carrie? I think that's what he means. I think that, you know, you're right. I mean, sometimes they actors and professionals will who have a camp that surrounds them will say that you know we're talking or they're talking to us um but i think in this case that just doesn't sound like the way mark hamill speaks i think he's referring to the trio they're talking to us and he said because he because he says um that george wanted to know whether we'd be interested and i think he's referring to that lunch that infamous lunch at mm. Celebration 6 in Orlando where George took out Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and we believe Ian McDiarmid. And that's when he told them that he was making new Star Wars films. But did he say anything about Disney? He said, nope. He said uh, he didn't tell us it was going to be done for Disney. He saved that little nugget, and I read it online like everybody else. <laughs> So um, now this was interesting. They asked him about the next trilogy's tone and not tone Daniels. I mean, the, the, the vibe, the feeling. Mark says, I said to George that I wanted to go back to the way it was in the sense that ours was much more carefree and lighthearted and humorous, in my opinion, anyway. And another thing that I'd want to make sure that it's all. Excuse me. And another thing I'd want to make sure of is we are going to have the whole gang back. Is Carrie and Harrison and Billy D and Tony Daniels, everybody that's around from the original returning? I want to make sure that everybody's on board here rather than just one. I guess I'll have to tune into your show to figure out who's on board. He's talking to the Entertainment Tonight writer. Here. Oh, I thought he was talking about Rebel Force Radio. Oh, yeah. He's talking about Rebel Force Radio. Yes, of course. Right. I have to download your show to figure out who's on board. But, uh, you know, Mark wants to get, you know, Mark's a big Beatles fan, right, Jim? Huge, huge Beatles huge, fan. Yes. Mm-hmm. And as a Beatles fan, the idea of a reunion was always out there. It almost happened. It almost happened back on an episode of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's right. Lorne Michaels went on and offered the Beatles like $100,000 <laughs> to reunite right. on the show. And it just so happened that they were all in New York at that time. Uh, they weren't in New York together. George, uh, John Lennon was living there. McCartney was on tour. It happened to be you know Ringo and, and Harrison were there as well. But 
that has always been a big deal for Beatles fans. I think you know that if you were going to do a reunion, it would have to be all of them. It couldn't be like three of them and one of their kids. It'd have to be all of them. And so I think Mark's kind of, in a way, bringing that sense to Star Wars. You know what? If we're going to do this, we got to do it right. We got to have all of us there on board. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, something tells me Mark would be on board if Harrison and Carrie weren't. I really believe that. I believe George or JJ or Kathleen or whoever, Iger, just pick up the phone and call Mark Hamill. Say, come on in, throw on the cloak. <laughs> we want you. He'd say, what time do you want me there? <laughs> Uh, they asked uh, Mark about where in the Skywalker story would we pick or where would we find Luke in uh, in an episode seven? He says, I'm assuming because I haven't talked to the writers that these movies would be about our offspring. Like my character would be sort of in the Obi-Wan range as an influential character. What I found out while making the original trilogy, that ultimate good news, bad news joke. The good news is there's a real attractive hot girl in the universe. The bad news is she's your sister. I thought, well, I'm going to wind up like Sir Alec. I'm going to be a lonely old hermit living out <laughs> living out in some kind of desert igloo with a couple of robots. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, love spurned. You know, that would frighten you into celibacy, right? <laughs> if you found out <laughs> that this chick you had the hots for for a good couple of years having all these adventures and what, you know, I, I was starting to wonder, Jim, you you're a big fan of the original Marvel comic series. And there were a lot of comics written in between empire and Jedi. Were they, uh, were they making it in those comic books? What's going on? What was going on with Luke and, and Leia? Was it, was it a love triangle in those old Marvel series? No, it really wasn't. It really wasn't. And you found the two of them going off on adventures together. And you knew that there was, it was more brother and sister-like relationship in those Marvels. Hmm. Yeah, they did not pursue the, the, that sort of uh, romance, even between Leia and Han. That must have been told it's off limits for uh, the writers of Marvel at the time. So, uh, yeah, that's a great question. And if anybody listening to this show wants to weigh in with some examples of... Uh, the heat getting hot in the kitchen between Luke and his sister. <laughs> well, you know, back then in the, you know, with comics, like now, you know, it's all sexed up in the, in comic books. Back then, I think it was all about, at, you know, action, adventure. Uh, it wasn't about romance and hot chicks. No, you're absolutely right. So, uh, like I said, if you think of any examples, uh, float us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com. And uh, I have every issue of those old comics. I... I'll be happy to flip through them any time, uh, especially to, to find something creepy like this. I also found it interesting in this interview, Jim, where not only does he want a, maybe a sense of fun, a greater sense of fun, he talks about the, the CGI. And he oh. says, I hope they find the right balance of CGI with practical effects. I love props. I love models, miniatures, matte paintings. I'm sort of old school. I think if you go too far in the direction of CGI, it winds up looking like a giant video game. And that's unfortunate. If they listen to me at all, it'll be lighten up and go retro with the way it looks. 
retro. Star Wars the original trilogy, Jim, is now retro. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think it's more of a, a commentary on what he was seeing in Star Wars episodes one, two, and three. When he's talking about going too far in the direction of CGI, I think he might be specifically pointing the finger at those films. Again, just like Kasdan last week, the sort of this this sort of uh, uh, method of planting these ideas in our heads is really all about giving us clues as to what the new Star Wars is going to be like. The and direction. Think, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Hamill has had some private conversations with J.J. Abrams. Although he does say that they tried to arrange a meeting and it kept getting... But he didn't say J.J. He said he it was with, uh, with the writer and, and uh, Kathleen Kennedy, Kate yeah, Kennedy, yeah. here on Rebel Force yeah. Radio. So perhaps there was uh, you know maybe some casual phone calls here and there. You know, I think Mark may even know J.J. I seem to recall seeing... Uh, Seeing them together on some sort of television thing or something online. You know, weren't they on an episode, was it uh, Dinner for Five? That's it. With Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith was on it, too. He was guest hosting for Mm -hmm. John Favreau. Yeah, yep, yep. Maybe there's some some hints in there. (laughs) You never know. We'll have to go through that audio and uh, maybe play some next week. Yeah, um... About the uh, the standalone films, he says that he thinks it's really smart. He said it'd be more like the James Bond pictures, where they come out and it's not an investment in a three-movie arc. And the Star Wars is so rich in terms of quirkiness and oddball characters. Um, we would talk about that on the original film set. He said we'd go like, that little band that's playing in the cantina, what's their story? I mean, are they a traveling band? Are they a house band? Who's their manager? They didn't have names when we were first talking about them. Now they're called like Psy Snoodles. They come up with names down the road or when they have to name the toys. So uh, he'd like to see some of the more obscure characters uh, receive a, a spinoff film. He said, hey, you so- know, he does uh, say in this article that he wants to see the character with the beak from Jabba's Palace. What's his story? He wants to see further investigation into the character of Salacious Crumb. <laughs> that's who he's talking about. I, I would Salacious say that's got to be it. Right now, they're, they're celebrating. My, my wife, Wendy, is celebrating, and Steve Sansweet is as well. Big fan of the Salacious One. Oh, yeah. Oh. Wendy and Steve Sansweet. Oh, yeah. They, they can just talk for hours. Finally, he wraps up by just saying, you know, of all of this, I just hope we don't overstay our welcome. Well, you know what, Mark? We've been waiting for this for a long time, my friend. You're going to while before you overstay your welcome. So oh, don't worry about that. Years. <laughs> yeah. Almost 40 years. A long don't worry about time. It. Don't worry about it at this point. So it's not just Mark Hamill out there making public statements. The evil one himself, Emperor Palpatine Ian McDiarmid, uh, recently spoke with... Uh, Looks like BirminghamMail.co.uk about whether or not he might return to Star Wars. He says it could be a little tricky because he got his comeuppance in the last Star Wars film. He's disappeared into oblivion, said Ian. I don't know what the plans are for Star Wars. They're talking about a lot of projects. The Emperor was the most evil character that ever lived. Now he's dead, but I suppose anything can happen in Star Wars. So he's leaving it open. And Jim, you and I speculated. I remember sitting right next to you during the Ian McDiarmid panel. And he starts going on and on about 
the TV project and various other things. And it, he wouldn't specifically say TV, but he would say things that make you believe that he was obviously privy to some information about the long rumored series. And, and for somebody who we know was pretty detached from Star Wars for a long time. It seems so strange that he would be in the know like he appeared to be. Basically, he seemed to know a heck of a lot more about Star Wars than we thought. And so we look, kind of were looking at each other like, why does he know all this? <laughs> He's just being a tease. These guys are actors. They know what they're doing. And uh, Ian's been acting for a long time. You know, he's 68 years old. So chew on this for a second. Ian McDiarmid, 68 years old. Harrison Ford is 70 years old. So Han Solo is two years older than Emperor Palpatine. That doesn't make any sense. It, do, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's kind of like Roger Moore being older than Sean Connery. Doesn't make any it sense. Makes no sense. No. That's the magic of Hollywood. <laughs> all right. I have a little challenge, and I've been thinking about this for some time, Jim, and I, you, you, you're my only hope. Help me, Jimmy Whack. Jim, Jimmy Whack. <laughs> Jimmy Whack. <laughs> How dare you? Help me, Jimmy Mack. You're my only hope. Speaking of Celebration 6 and Mark Hamill and Ian McDiarmid, one of the fun parts of Ian McDiarmid's panel was he was talking about working with Mark Hamill on the set of Return of the Jedi and how they, Mark's a big fan of British comedy. And every time Ian would draw up his hands and point his fingers at Mark to simulate the Sith lightning there on set, Mark would go into an imitation of a British comedian. And I believe it was like his, he had a catchphrase. It was like, yeah, just like that, just like that. And I have played that over and over in my head. And I'm dying to know who the comedian is and if we might be able to find an audio clip of who Mark was alluding to there on the set of Return of the Jedi every time <laughs> poor Ian was having to do his Sith lightning bit. So I challenge you, Jimmy <laughs> okay. Mack, to find that comedian with the catchphrase, just like that, just like that. I do recall that moment during the question and answer at Star Wars Celebration 6. I do not recall the name of the actor... That Mark was mimicking. I don't of think of the Jedi. it was ever mentioned, actually. Oh. The name. <laughs> now the situation gets extremely sticky, doesn't it? Yes, but I accept your challenge. <laughs> I will take it and I will run with it and we'll see what I come back with. Well, it's kind of like old home week here on Rebel Force Radio. We've got Harrison Ford. We've got Mark Hamill. We've got potentially Ian McDiarmid. But one name up until now, has eluded us. John Williams. We talked about the actors. We got, we got, we got the, the actors lining up. We've got the director lining up. We've got the writers lining up. And when the announcement was made about J.J. Abrams, I jumped to the conclusion that it could mean that we're looking at a Gaiachino penned Star Wars score. But maybe not. John Williams made his first public comments about the next Star Wars film at the Young Musician Foundation's debut orchestra. That's a long name for an orchestra. Young <laughs> Musician Foundation debut orchestra. That's why they call themselves the YMF. 
Yes, the Young Musician Foundation's debut orchestra was actually being led by John Williams, and apparently they brought down the house on February 9th, 2013 for their annual gala. Over 2,000 people were at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion when John Williams struck up the band to play a little bit of Star Wars. Now, there was someone on hand that is a contributor to the John Williams Fan Network forums, and he sent this report in. He said, did anyone manage to make it to the YMF debut concert last night? Nice to report Maestro looked great and was in top form. No signs of slowing down, I'm happy to say. He did make this one tantalizing comment before playing the Star Wars theme. Quoting John Williams, We're about to play Star Wars, and each time we play it, I'm reminded of the first time we played it decades ago. Neither I, nor George, nor anyone else involved thought this would go far, or in a few years there would be a sequel, and I'd have to revisit the themes. And years later, another trilogy. Now we're hearing of a new set of movies coming in 2015, 2016, so I need to make sure I'm still ready to go in a few years for what I hope will be continued work with George. And the crowd went wild. Went wild. And we're going wild here on Rebel Force Radio because as great as Michael Giacchino is, and not just Michael, but a whole host of composers out there, there's only one John Williams. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And if he's still alive and kicking, if he's still breathing, if he's still strong enough to stand on the stage at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion and lead the orchestra in some of his classic themes, I think he still has gas in the tank for one more Star Wars film. What do you think? It would be great to have him there to compose at least the main themes for Star Wars Episode Seven, And then if it would be time for someone else to take up the baton and handle episodes eight and nine and the standalone films, then so be it. But you really need to have John Williams involved. As long as he is here on planet earth, you got to have him involved. I agree. I agree. And it's really nice just to hear these guys out and about and talking about this and uh, expressing their enthusiasm for being part of the big reunion. This is like the ultimate reunion. But it can't be a reunion film. You know what I mean? This is not Return to Mayberry. This is mm. <laughs> it's, no. <laughs> it, it, it can't be just for the sake of nostalgia. It has to have a really important story to tell. Yeah. It can't be like Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Oh. <laughs> is that before or after they, they, they met the Harlem Globetrotters on that island? I don't know. They left the island, then they went back, and then, yeah, like the Globetrotters showed up. (laughs) Quite the scene there. All right, before we go any further, I want to stop and thank our dear friends and our sponsor for this week, Audible.com. That's right. They are back with us here at Rebel Force Radio. Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment next to Rebel Force Radio, of course, but they provide digital versions of tens of thousands of like a hundred thousand audiobooks to download for your computer, your smartphone, your MP3 player, your GPS device. If it can play an audio file, they've got a file format just for it. And these are more than just some dry narrator reading you the book. They're actually performances. You get to listen whenever, wherever you want, just like Rebel Force Radio you're listening to now. Like I said, over a hundred thousand titles to choose from. Every possible genre Audible has you covered and here's the deal this is 
this is where it gets good for you. You can get a free audiobook download when you sign up and join Audible today. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash RFR for Rebel Force Radio. That's audiblepodcast.com slash RFR. Sign up today and you get to pick a free audiobook. It could be something like, oh, I don't know, Scoundrels. Speaking of Timothy Zahn, you'll love it. Audiblepodcast.com slash RFR. And we thank them so much for their support of Rebel Force Radio. Rebel Force Radio. The Force is strong with this one. Your source for the Force. All right, from one big arc to the next, there's only one Clone Wars actor that could cover the range from Mieber Gascon to that foul stench of scum and villainy, Grand Moff Tarkin. In this case, Admiral Tarkin. We're talking about Stephen Stanton joining us in the cantina. Where are you going, Master? For a drink. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Hello? Admiral? Rebel Force Radio. What an unfortunate moniker. Although it is fun to say. <laughs> yeah, right. Can we get more R's in there? <laughs> that's that's entirely up to you, dear boy. <laughs> hey, I did hear you trilling those R's really, really nicely in the Jedi who knew too much. <laughs> yeah, isn't that how we started way back when, back in that the day? Is, that's how we I met, was One of your main criticisms was that you, you weren't happy with the amount it, of trilling. It was the was only thinking. criticism, I'll have you know. The only <laughs> oh. criticism. It was hardly a criticism. No, it's great to have Tarkin back. There's something about the end. What, what is it? What is it, Stephen? What, what happens at the end of a Clone Wars season where they go, well, it's time to bring back Tarkin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, a- Stephen, before we go any further, I, I, I owe this to you. Um, I have to say this. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board. That's just something I always have to say when we talk Tarkin. Talking Tarkin with Stephen. Thank you very much, Jimmy Mac. Yes, uh, absolutely. I I, and I mean that on only the box. <laughs> I mean, hey, do you guys still have? Do you guys still have the? Uh, well, do you guys know what happened to the the? Uh, speaking of Tarkin, when we were doing a uh, Tarkin at C six, do you know what happened to the storybook that Tarkin was reading from on stage? Uh, yes, yes, I took it. Oh, good, good. I was I was hoping it fell into the right hands. I was you know I was going to sign that for you guys and commemorate the event, and it just oh. kind of disappeared after that. And I thought, well, either some lucky fan has got it, or maybe <laughs> well, Jimmy Mack or Jason has. Lucky it. fan did get it. Jimmy Mack got there you it. Go. There I, you go. I noticed he didn't offer me any of the any piece of that pie. No, he no, took that I all for the, himself. I got the sticky fingers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to see this guy at a convention. Got to got to glue everything down. Guy. He even hoards his own trading cards. He wouldn't even <laughs> give them out. Yeah, he He's actually steals for- from our, from our, himself. <laughs> exactly. I could just see the eBay dollar signs going out. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I've That's never right. sold anything on eBay in my life. <laughs> well, I always make sure on those Forcecast uh, cards that we were signing, I signed over onto one side to leave room for Jimmy Mac's signature uh, next to... So people could have, you know, the dual signature thing going on. Have, have both of them. We'll have to get new Rebel Force radio cards for you. Ah, uh, yes. There yeah, you go. Right, right. We'll have those nobody, for you. Nobody time. wants me ruining their autographed Stephen Stanton trading cards anyway, so. With Jimmy Mack. But we were talking about, uh, we were talking Tarkin on the uh, Clone Wars Declassified uh, earlier this week, and 
we noticed that there was a promotion. Do, you, do we have any idea what uh, what might have earned Tarkin that promotion? From you Captain know, there's a lot of there's a lot of water under the bridge between the end of season three and uh, you notice the promotion happened during the uh, the droid arc with Colonel Gascon. Uh, I think that's where he first showed up as Tark, and people recognized his badge had changed when he was on that. Uh, when they were, you know, the Jedi cruiser was getting uh, mm. getting ready to crash into the space station, mm-hmm. uh, but then they, they didn't bring it up until uh, just recently. Hey, what was the purpose of having those holograms on that bridge, on that ship? I, you know, I, I think it was a demonstration of a new technology in case, uh, who knows, maybe they're, you know, maybe they've got some, some way of spying on the inside of a ship. And rather than having just the sort of like uh, those, uh, the transmission holograms, which are kind of jerky or whatever, this was probably like a standalone projector that could do a real 3D, you know, didn't have to crunch as many numbers. So it, uh, it uh, you know, it could, it could make them look like whole beings. Right, it's, it's sort of the next generation. Maybe it's like the HD equivalent for the... Yeah, uh, I mean, they could have had that on the Death Star. How do you know that's not what they were talking to when Tarkin was on there? The guy could still be alive. Could have been just a hologram, just like they had on that ship. Mind <laughs> just blown. That's how they're going to bring back Palpatine in Episode 7. Definitely. It was all that's hologram. do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on uh, Clone Wars The Classified, we were talking about... Tarkin's relationship to Palpatine and whether or not he's aware that Palpatine is a Sith Lord, at least during this time of the Clone Wars. We obviously know that he's very familiar with Palpatine. He says things that that give you an idea he's intimately knowledgeable of the, the, what makes Palpatine tick when he makes a statement like, rarely does he do things without a strategy. You know, he seems very confident that he knows Palpatine really well, but does he know him that well? My guess would be no, because I don't think it would serve Palpatine to let him know at this point. I think he's probably keeping it under wraps just, you know, just like he is with everybody else. And, you know, I can't see any, you know, strategy, you know, for uh, for Palpatine to uh, to let Tarkin know at this point. But I could be wrong. You know, sometimes, you know, you get a script and that day you find out something that you never knew before when you go in to do a, do one of these episodes. Or how about when you actually see the episode for the first time? When these episodes are airing on Cartoon Network, is that the first time for you to see these? Or were you able to go to a private screening earlier? It, it depends. Some episodes I've gotten to see in advance. These particular ones I saw for the first time when they were broadcast. I was blown away just like everybody else. I mean, just, you know, in fact, somebody, you know, I, I love how the fans, are, the really uh, diehard fans that know these movies inside and out, somebody went and put up on uh, on the Internet somewhere uh, like a frame-by-frame comparison of all the stuff, all the scenes from the original trilogy that are mirrored in this last episode that we saw, like Vader walking down the hall to interrogate Leia. You guys maybe have already talked about all this I, No, I haven't seen that. I mean, obviously yeah. there were so many great parallels, but you're say, saying somebody did a, a mashup. No, they did a side by a side by side comparison. They had images from the from the oh, first Star Wars, A New uh-huh. Hope, and then images from the Clone Wars, and you could see the side by side how you know the one was paying homage to the other. It was just it was wonderful to see all that. Very cool. You're pretty you're pretty active on Facebook and social networking. I'm sure you posted a link to that up on your Facebook page, right? I I don't think I did, but it's on the. Uh, I found it actually on the on the Will Huff Tarkin. Uh, um, 
Facebook page. <laughs> he has his own Facebook page. He does. Uh, wow. I think uh, I think uh, Gina Gina Moore Sanders at the Swag Seventy Seven uh, Guild. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, I'm sorry. Hold on. Chris, Chris did it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. There, uh, I don't know who exactly is involved with it, but uh, they they put that up for the character. It's the character's Facebook page. Now, Stephen, you mentioned that Tarkin actually, and that was a good reminder. He shows up at the end of the uh, of the droid arc, and I'm wondering now that we have Admiral Tarkin and we don't have Admiral Ularan, are we to assume that perhaps Tarkin has taken over for Ularan and he's going to be the one transporting uh, Anakin around the galaxy? Mm, could be, could be. That's a, that's a good assessment. I like it. Jim, what do you think? <laughs> We'll take we'll take the pressure off Stephen. I think I hit a nerve there. But <laughs> so, what what's you, the question, Jason? <laughs> he's not. He's off on another show. He's That's right. What are you? He's television. doing it. He's doing it. He's promoting Rebel Force Radio on another podcast right now. He's he's the ultimate multitasker. Yeah, he's putting his cards up on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> he's got another show. He's doing Clone Wars decontaminated. <laughs> Uh, what I had asked Stephen, and uh, he, he, he coyly responded, uh, maybe, uh, it is now that we don't see Ularen, Admiral Ularen, but we do see Admiral Tarkin, could it be that Ularen has been replaced and now we're seeing the, the beginning of a beautiful friendship? Ooh, I see. Just as an attempt to maybe manipulate the situation to get Tarkin a little closer to Anakin, uh, because obviously we know that by the time of episode three, Palpatine wants to completely manipulate and control Anakin. So what better way than placing your personal picks into his own inner circle? So remove Yalaren who is effective, but not really one of the guys when it comes to running an evil Sith circle. So you, you put Tarkin in there, move Yalaren aside. I think that's all like a, a really plausible uh, situation that could be happening there. I, I know Tom Kane probably bristles at that idea. I was but just wondering if you guys handled that outside, Stephen, you and Tom Kane. Did you go, <laughs> yeah, you go, you go in the back of the, the uh, recording studio and work this out? The they, try to, they try to discourage those kinds of uh, arbitrations <laughs> and uh, <laughs> aggressive <laughs> negotiations, right? I think they flip a coin and it happens that way. Or, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that. But Jimmy, that's Jimmy Max got a pretty good handle. You know, he's like the Bobby Fisher of uh, Star Wars. Uh, oh yes. Do they have an yes. IBM computer of Star Wars that you can go up against? And yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's Kyle Newman. Uh, so we get the two of them going, but uh, no, we did actually talk a little bit on um, on declassified about Tarkin's lack of a reaction to the Death Star at the end of Episode Three. So he's very, very cool, calm, and collected as he walks on the bridge there of the Star Destroyer and kind of observes and nods in his approval. So he it leads us to believe that perhaps he was in on this. That, that would be my conclusion, too. I mean, that's the feeling that I got. It was almost like, oh, yeah, we've been hanging out here watching this thing get built. And, oh, good, Vader's here now. Okay, you can use another hand. <laughs> right. yeah. Make yourself useful, pal. Um, so the, the, the relationship is going to be, I hope, really, really fun to watch. I, I, I'm anxious to see if, if in next season, uh, well, I'm anxious to see if we have a next season, or at least whether it's on TV, but uh, this 
friendship or whatever it is developed between uh, Tarkin and and Anakin. So uh, I, I would imagine Stephen knowing what we're told about this particular arc and its ramifications on the the whole series that it's uh, fun for you to actually be a part of it. Oh, absolutely. This uh, Doing this whole uh, series of uh, episodes for the finale was uh, probably some of the most fun I've had on the show uh, to date. Uh, at, at one point, I'm not going to say where, but at one point while we were recording these, uh, this uh, trilogy of episodes, we had uh, 11 people in the room <laughs> all wow. recording different characters. Wow. Well, just you know, out of perspective, how many are usually in there? Um, sometimes, well, it can go it's, it's, as few as two. I've had that sometimes to, you know, on average, maybe about five or six. Right, right. That's typical, five or so six. So who was there? I mean, Stephen, can you say, who, were there folks there that we would we would know of, but oh, yet yeah, they're you know typically... Okay, so <laughs> Okay, so any particular reason why, you know, they were there as opposed to doing whatever they do, you know, through a, you know, a connected in their own home studios or what have you? Was it... Oh, for the most part, for the most part, uh, we all all show up and record, uh, you know, at the studio. It's only on rare occasions. Or you like Tom Kane, you know, people that don't live, you know, in Los Angeles, uh, or like sometimes, you know, I've got something that conflicts with the session, and I'll have it record remotely, or you know, I've got some pickup lines or something like that. But for the most part, uh, they do their darndest to try to get everybody in there acting the whole thing out together. I think it makes for a much better uh, show in the end. Now, were you one of the voice actors that was exiled out in the lobby while Matt Lanter and uh, Ashley Eckstein had their big their big scene? I was very fortunate. I got up to I had almost all the pages in the script, and I was like one of the last few to leave. I remember, you know, was comparing pages to uh, uh, to uh, T. C. Carson. You know, we're, uh-huh. we're like, okay, like uh, what, what 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 are you? How many pages have you got? Well, I got this many. How many do you got? <laughs> mm, well, I'm going to be leaving. You know. Uh, sooner than you or whatever. So, <laughs> so that's how you guys judge how long you're going to be on the gig is the number of pages, huh? Well, because, yeah, before before we started that session, you know, I know a couple of us were like, hey, I've got some pages missing from my script. You know, my <laughs> script only goes up to this number. And, my, and Dave said, that's intentional. We're doing a whole <laughs> you know, Empire Strikes Back kind of thing here. And, right. Uh, you know. And I so. trust you, Stanton. <laughs> now, of course, I've already been working on season six, so, you know. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. interesting you bring that up because Jason earlier was uh, wondering whether or not there actually is going to be a season six. And, and from all indications, we know that production has been underway on it for a long time and continues to move forward. Do you have any information on what the future of the Clone Wars is? Well, my first question is, why are people thinking that there's not going to be a season six? What, well, I'll what? tell you why. Because uh, Cartoon Network's uh, deal with Lucasfilm expired, with the Clone Wars, had expired at the end of season five. And they released uh, their schedule of upcoming programming, and Clone Wars is nowhere to be found on it. And then, of course, with the sale to Disney, a lot of people are wondering if Clone Wars is going to move to a Disney property. Well, that would seem to make the most sense. I mean, uh, I can't imagine uh, Disney uh, buying uh, uh, LFL and and getting rid of the one Star Wars, major Star Wars thing that's going on right now. Uh, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to me from a business standpoint. Anything can happen, obviously. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it uh, wouldn't, wouldn't seem logical to me at all to, uh, to get rid of the Clone Wars at this point, especially with so many uh, episodes in the can already for season six. 
Right, right. So that makes me actually optimistic. However, um, I I do have a a bit of pessimism about that simply for the fact that with the postponement of Star Wars in 3D, the company has made it clear that they are going to spend all their money and resources on Star Wars Episode 7 and the future of Star Wars and maybe not necessarily look back toward the prequel era that much. But like you said, they have these resources. All they have to do is just turn on the water faucet and let it flow. So I certainly hope a season six is in the cards because it would be a, a fitting season for Clone Wars. It would be something that would be necessary for us fans to tie up the loose ends. And well, I think also, I think also, uh, you know, I mean, if you take it away, Clone Wars, that means you've got no Star Wars until the next movie comes out and that would be kind of a shame. You know, it's like, why not keep the fires burning and the excitement up and who knows what kind of episodes may be written for clone wars to lead into the next movies. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the potential is there and his fans we're chomping at the bit. So is there any suggestion you might have for star Wars fans as far as a way to reach out to maybe the heads at Disney and or Lucasfilm to let them know that we're fans and we want to see this show continue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're already doing that right now. I'm seeing petitions and all kinds of things going up. So I think they've got a handle on that. I mean, I don't think anybody's letting any grass grow under them, you know, it's, especially nowadays with Facebook and Twitter and all these different ways of, of mm-hmm. reaching people electronically, or at least if not reaching them, making it known that people are talking about them. I think they've got, uh, I think if there's, I think there's no danger of them of their voice not being heard about what it is that they want. Have you as a professional ever been in a situation where you went in and acted in an animated show or season of shows or feature and production was moving forward on it and you fully expected it to be released and yet it never was released? Oh, heck, yeah. But that's like a Cartoon Network could put out a whole series of all the pilots that have never been aired. There you uh, go. You know, there's, that stuff gets done. Tons of pilots and even episodes. I mean, I did a, I've done some stuff that you know, took years before it finally came out, and then it came out overseas first and then went immediately to you know, downloads online. Or, and then just a lot of stuff never reaches the light of day. And sometimes it's really sad because you have this incredible cast of people, great writing, a good show, and it just eh, didn't reach the demographic that they were looking for, so it gets put on the shelf. And there it is. I, I'm always hoping that one day somebody, some brilliant uh, studio executive or network executive will say, you know what, let's make a series out of all these things that didn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> you could call it, uh, well, the name Led Zeppelin's already been taken, but yeah. <laughs> something that's heavy that never flew. <laughs> just watch it. Exactly. We could just call it, you know, let's just throw a rock into the ocean and watch it <laughs> It's like I said, a lot of them aren't clunkers. A lot of them just don't meet the criteria of whatever it is they're looking to sell or who the audience that they're trying to reach, you know. Right. So there's been a lot of excellent stuff that's you know, never made it to, you know, I've got a pilot coming up here in a couple of weeks I'm going to be doing, and mm-hmm. God only knows what's going to happen with it. Everyone keeps their fingers crossed, but... Uh, yeah, the ratio between you know the pilots that are made and the ones that are actually picked up, and then the the ones that actually go on for a whole season. I mean, it's it's I've seen those stats before, and it's pretty 
Uh, it's pretty amazing. Of course, when we're talking about Clone Wars, we're, we're not talking about a pilot. We're talking about a season, a full season that's been under production since the first time I heard about it was when Christian Taylor told me about it in Long Beach when we were out there for the season four season premiere. So obviously there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into season six already. So uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that it will see the light of day in some way, shape, or form, but I am encouraging fans to say it loud and say it proud. You like the Clone Wars, and you don't want to see it end at season five. And let's really let the people in charge know that it's a show we care about and we want to see continued. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, it's, it, you, can't, you can't say it too many times, I don't think. I mean, you know, it's uh, what, What's that? Is that oh, Dutch. yeah. Yeah, Dutch is asking. It's a Dutch you guys, cameo. Uh, yes, yeah. He's asking if you guys have been keeping up with the Nielsen's and seeing what the ratings are. Actually, uh, no. I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't subscribe to them. They don't send them to my house or anything. So I've always heard good buzz about Clone Wars on Cartoon Network. I've always heard really good buzz about it. So, what is no. what does Dutch know? That the Nielsen's are really good. There you go. Yeah, so the, I, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think that if it was up to, if it had the Disney acquisition not happened, and it was just up to Cartoon Network, I think we would be see- seeing a season uh, six airing on the network for sure. I, the the uh, I know that a couple of the DC shows got, were on the chopping block going into next year, but uh, didn't hear any scuttlebutt or unhappiness with no. With and Wars. sometimes it just happens out of the blue. I was working on a show actually that Henry Gilroy was working on, who's done a lot of, on the Clone Wars. It was called GI Joe Renegades. Great was, show, great I was show. T- Tomax and Zaymot, you know those. Two oh yes, movies. yeah. And you know it was just one of those things. All of a sudden, it just off the air, and a lot of people thought, well, maybe it's because of the sequel of you know the GI Joe sequel. They didn't want any competition with that, but there was no real explanation. That was all just rumor, but. Yeah, it was a fun show to it do. Was a I great, had a lot of fun playing those guys. It was a great show, and you did an awesome job. And uh, I'm really sad. I think that it was, as far as reboots go, it's one of the best. Uh, Henry's concept for those characters and the way he pulled it off over that season, fabulous, fabulous job. And I think yeah. it was, I think inevitably it was the movie. I think it was, um, the studio didn't know what to do with the property. They, you know, they have this disease where everything has to be the same. So the action figures have to line up with the movie, and the TV show has to line up with the movie, and all of that. Um, but it was a, it was a great, great show. It's, it can get a little frustrating. I think as fans of genre uh, franchises, we get a little bit sensitive, especially when you know corporate interests start to uh, play, you know, monkey around with things that we that we love. And so now that our beloved star Wars is in the, in other hands, you know, I think we're just a little, you know, we're a little punchy, but it's all right. You know, it's shows like this one right here that keep uh, clone wars out there to the fans. You know, that's, uh, that's what you guys are doing is a big part of what's keeping people excited and, tuning well, in and you. all that stuff you know thank you well steven we've we've had the opportunity to talk to you a number of times about tarkin we've tarkin we've seen you in the guys actually dressed as tarkin but want to you know turn back the clock a little bit and, start, and talk about colonel gascon which is a character that <laughs> ah, uh, yes colonel <laughs> meber gascon future <laughs> brigadier general commander lieutenant whatever <laughs> <laughs> map breeder, map breeder, I believe. than what he had. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was such a uh, interesting voice and characterization, and contrasted so much with 
him, you know, physically what he looked like. Just it, wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the evolution of how you you and Dave spoke and and developed that character and how you brought him to life in terms of you know voicing him. And were you aware at the time what he was going to look like? Had they shown you models? Well, Dave Filoni said on the very first day of the session, "Okay, don't do Tarkin." And, uh, so <laughs> anybody but that. No, so what, then you started what, doing your Morallo Val voice. Exactly, <laughs> Uncle Morallo. Uh, no, Meeper Gascon, who I'm sure has the ear of Tarkin. I'm sure these, you know, they're in the same army, so I'm sure they hung out and you know had tea together at least. Um, this was one of those things where, uh, and, I, uh, and I, if I'm repeating myself to the fans out there because I've talked about this before, uh, I'm, I apologize in advance. Um, uh, so what happened was they sent out the audition sides for this character, and uh, there were quite, there was really a lot of dialogue on there, which was unusual for a Clone Wars audition for a single character. And all it said was that this was a, um, uh, a military uh, uh, commander or something like that. It was very generic. And most of the dialogue came from the second episode of Sunny Day in the Void, which I know is Jason's favorite out of that arc. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the best juicy bitch. Um, so, so I did that. And I'll tell you, actually what I did was it was actually a little more restrained. It was like a colonel and he was, uh, you know, he's in charge and I'm going to command my men and we're going to bring him back alive and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And I found out, you know, I booked the job through my agent. When I showed up on the, uh, on the day of the recording session, I noticed how few people there were that day. It was myself and Ben Diskin. I think that might have been it. I know Dee was there for part of it, I think in the, the third episode for certain. And then um, Dave said, okay, this is what your character looks like. I'm like, oh, he's not human. He's alien. And he said, yeah, and he's not very big either. He's only like, you know, this tall and he holds up his hands like oh he's just this little tiny alien guy so when we started to record dave said do exactly what you did in the audition but just like crank it up just you know over make it over the top make him really big to contrast the this you know make his personality contrast the size of his physical size is essentially what he, what we were doing so that's essentially how we came up with that character. And to be honest, you know, I know those episodes really divided the audience, and that's fine because the great thing about Clone Wars and Dave and George Lucas is that they've got this series and they're willing to take risks and take chances, and I think that's what make this, makes this series great. And I'm thankful to both of those guys for allowing me to play that character because I never had so much fun before because he got to do all this crazy stuff and do it over uh, four episodes, it's, it's rare that you get to take a, a new character like that and develop him so much over that many episodes. So, Well, it was really, Stephen, it was almost like a, a two-man show. I mean, because the, you know, the, the other droids were just beeps and boops, and it was yeah. you and uh, the guy from Doctor Who. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, you're, you're thinking of whack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. David Tennant, I wish he'd have been in that show. That yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been a lot yeah, of fun, yeah. too. Got Steven, my who did the voice crossed. of Whack? No, you're talking, of ben Diskin did the voice ah, of Whack. Okay. He okay. also did the voice of, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name. You know the snake character that was tormenting? Morley. Morley. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but it was, <clears throat> despite who it was, it was really just the two of you for a, a quite a bit of that, of that whole arc, and you had these long, almost soliloquies. So it was yes. a, it was a lot of work, and it was a, it was putting a lot of pressure on that one little character. 
It was. I mean, there was that during the episode where we did a sunny day in the void, you know, we showed up, Ben and I were in this big empty room together. And Dave said, okay, you guys, today it's all up to you. It's just you guys. He's like, you're carrying this whole episode, so no pressure. You know, <laughs> really, but no that's pressure. when he also pointed out to me, he goes like, look, who's, look at this skeleton that we're going to be putting in here. He goes, do you know who this is? So. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and of course, it was Jackson the Space Bomb. Yeah. That's what people say. I, I don't know. It could be <laughs> horseshit rebel fight you. <laughs> Horse heads, like a horseshit rebel skull to me. Well, well so you, cer- yeah. you certainly have uh, been a, a major player here in season five of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. And obviously the Jedi who knew too much is something that I consider really one of those essential episodes of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. If somebody asked me, Name 10 episodes of this series that I should watch. I would say this is one of them. And so hats off to you, all the actors, the creative crew, the writers, everyone. Um, A lot of people have been noticing that there are similarities between this episode and 1993's The Fugitive, starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, you know that fella's chasing that fugitive? Yeah, I think he's going to be chasing Jedi here. Jedi, I don't know what Jedi is. He's got a lightsaber. Stay away from it. I don't know. I don't touch it. <laughs> but, but we had a request, and this came from Clone Wars. I don't do requests. I just want to let you know that up front. I don't do requests. Well, we're not going to ask you, Tommy Lee. We're going to ask Tarkin. That's good, because I'm leaving right now. <laughs> There is Tommy Lee Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> Steve Glosson, uh, Clone Wars the Classified regular guest, Steve Glosson, uh, he had a request. He had no idea we were going to have you on this week, but he just said, next time you guys have Stephen Stanton on, have him do that classic Tommy Lee Jones speech from The Fugitive when he is dispatching his crew to go find Dr. Richard Kimball. He gives us the speech that just it has a rhythm to it, and it's very intense. And so we were wondering if we could hear that speech with Star Wars modifications made to the actual oh, dialogue. Yes. Oh, it's Uncle Moralo? No. <laughs> As Admiral Tarkin. Oh, Admiral Tarkin, yes. yes. Well, I think I can. I think I recall that speech. from. All right, this is a Rebel Force Radio instant request. All right, listen up, people. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, is four miles per hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want from each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, (laughs) farmhouse, handhouse, outhouse and doghouse in that area. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Ahsoka Tonno. Go get her. Alon Z. (laughs) Fantastic. Bravo! I could have said it better myself. <laughs> and I did, I think. So you awesome. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Well, you made Steve Glosson very happy. There so you thank go. you for that. And me as well. And I'm sure a lot of listeners. I could do it as Colonel Gascon. That'd make you even happier. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd make him happier. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Steven, right. thank you so, so much for that. Second. And you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna dangle the carrot here, the yep. gas got carrot. Uh, I, I think we got one more minute to kill yep. here with you, Mister Stanton. If if we could bring uh, Colonel Niebuhr Gascon to the microphone, maybe uh, we can relive that great 
Oscar award-winning fugitive moment one more time through his okay. perspective. All right, I'll make a deal with you. I'll do Colonel Gascon for you guys if you let me talk about something very special to my heart after oh, yes. it. Oh, yes. We weren't going to let you go without, without touching on that topic, so fear not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> this is almost like the speech he gave to the joys in the very beginning. It actually is. Well, all right, listen up, people. Our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot, average foot feet. I'm spoonerizing already. <laughs> average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injuries, is four miles per hour. That gives us a radius of six miles. What I want from each and every one of you droids is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, outhouse, and doghouse in that area. And don't forget to check the Tauntaun pens. Checkpoints go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive name is Ahsoka Tano. I'll go uh. get him. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I I'm torn. That, that, was, that was beautiful. So, Stephen... You said you wanted to talk about something near and dear to your heart. I know that you are very connected to the Pink 5 production, and we're expecting huge things from Pink 5 in 2013, so tell us all about it. There is huge things coming from the Pink 5 saga. So uh, many of your fans probably know, but those that don't know, uh, Pink Five, the Pink 5 saga is a series of Star Wars uh, parody fan films that were done started almost ten years ago now won the, the you know the the Lucas fan film challenge a couple years in a row I'm actually in them I play on camera I play uh, Chancellor oh, excuse me Emperor Palpatine and uh, old Ben Kenobi and um, Tom Kane's actually does one of the voices in there too he does C3PO and uh, we're taking this. Finally finished. It wasn't finished for a long, long time. And Trey Stokes, the creator and director of it, finally got a Kickstarter program together. We helped him do that. He raised over $28,000, got all the money together, finished this thing, and now we're taking it to Alcon in Dallas on March 8th, 9th, and 10th for a big sneak preview with all the 501st members that uh, that are showing up for Alcon because it's a big 501st event, including... The 501st New um, Regime, which is their new uh, CEO, Amy Jorgensen. Uh, Nick Bishop, uh, who's their new XO, who you guys met. He made your uh, flag for you at C6. Love Nick. Scott Allen, who is the charity officer, who you also met at C6 because he was Darth Vader. And he was standing next to me while we were (laughs) doing your guys' broadcast. Uh, He was Darth Vader to me. Yeah, so and Amy Jorgensen is the first female CEO of the 501st Legion. So there we go. We got new things. We got the first female at, uh, at uh, the 501st. We got Kathleen Kennedy over at Lucasfilm. I think good things are happening. Absolutely, absolutely. So 2013 is looking up to be a huge year for you. Your contributions to, uh, quote, hey, are we going to be seeing you? Are we going to be seeing Tarkin in the next episode? I haven't seen any uh spoilers or teasers for that yet well there's a trailer out right now that yeah. has that sort of that that really good that thunderstorm scene in the jedi council room yes yes with, uh with uh tarkin and the hologram i don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it yet but if you haven't seen it go check it out it's yes well, I, when i saw it i was like i remember saying those lines and recording them and you know when you see it married with the music and the sound effects and everything else goes on i mean i'm I'm just as much of a fan when I sit down in an audience and watch this stuff as you guys are. It just blows me away. You know, I sound like a broken record, but I'm always, I'm constantly amazed 
from what I remember doing and then seeing how they do the animation and, and put the whole thing together. It's That's astonishing. awesome. So we can't wait. That's Saturday morning, Cartoon Network. Check it out. It's To Catch a Jedi featuring Steven Stanton as Admiral Tarkin. Thank and you so Tommy much. maybe Tommy Lee Jones will be there. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> keep your ears peeled. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Steven. Great to have Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you all later. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. You must contact me. Play back the entire message. What message? Message, Doctor. The message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with you. It's a trick. Send no reply. All right, we got an email here from Eric J of Sweden. Psycho Ahsoka? <laughs> yeah, that's right, Jason. This one caught my attention. Psycho Ahsoka is what it said in. The message field, so I had to read it, as we do. We read everyone's email that comes to show at rebelforceradio.com. Eric J. of Sweden writes, They're playing heavily on the Hitchcock homages, and with all the rumors that this might be Ahsoka's last couple of episodes, I've had a vision of Ahsoka seeking refuge in a hotel, way out in the middle of nowhere, or maybe it's the void, thinking she's finally made it clear. After a long and stressful journey, she takes a shower in the shadows. Hold on, somewhere Grant, Grant Gould's head just came off. <laughs> Sorry. In the shadows, a British figure is approaching. Tarkin, wearing a hairpiece and dressed to disguise himself. Vibroblade held high. Cue the sound file. Eric J. from Sweden included in this email. <laughs> So maybe the the As soundtrack the blood music. pools. I can just see it. <laughs> oh my God! Not Ahsoka. And Eric J suggested that maybe I take some time with that <laughs> that great mashup he did of the uh, Psycho theme and uh, the Imperial March. He said, "Why don't you uh, get some Ahsoka sounds and stuff?" And so he got me thinking. I'm like, "Wow! I can even have the sound effect of like the curtain, the shower curtain being pulled back, <laughs> and Ahsoka screaming." I'm like, "Wait! Whoa! My God! What am I thinking?" That would be too traumatic of a piece yeah. of production for oh. me to put together. You know, I, I mean, it, it would scar me for life. <laughs> I could never do that. So, I mean, just, you know, that was enough. Just, just the music alone conjured up a creepy enough image in my mind. So I'm just going to leave that alone right there. But thanks a lot to Eric J. from Sweden for that great Psycho Ahsoka mashup. And if you have email or a mashup or a piece of audio or anything to contribute to Rebel Force Radio, send it to us here, show at rebelforceradio.com. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. Yeah! Don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Billy D. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. <laughs> All right, Billy D. quote of the week. Jimmy Mack, what do you got for us this week? 
All right, Jason. Yeah, we're running long here on Rebel Force Radio this week, but there's so much great Star Wars news coming out. We had to talk about it, but we will not forget Billy D. We got a message on Facebook from Heather Miranda Goldman, who puts in the uh, message, Billy D spotting on TV. So it gets our attention. Earlier tonight, I was watching an episode of the Cleveland show on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. In the show, these two guys were having a contest to see which one of them was cooler. And one of the judges was Lando Calrissian, voiced by the very own Billy D. Williams. The episode is titled Back to Cool, Season 2, Episode 20. Unfortunately, I could not find a video stream of this episode anywhere online, and hopefully there'll be reruns. We'll never fear, Heather, because you were actually seeing a rerun yourself. That aired a couple seasons ago on The Cleveland Show. Actually, I believe it was the first season that show was on the air. And I don't even think it is still on the air. Is Cleveland Show still on it's the air? It's still on the air, yeah. And this is actually from season two. So, Oh, I'm sorry. This is from season two. It says right there in the email, Back to Cool Season 2. Featuring Billy D. Williams. So we talked about it when it first happened. And if you don't remember, she's right. Billy D. was judging a cool contest. I mean, come on. If you're going to have people judging cool, you got to have Lando, voiced by Billy D. All the way from Cloud City, Lando Calrissian. You no good, low down, cool Olympians. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm nice and cool. I've never heard of these judges. <laughs> That's a great piece of audio. That's fantastic Billy D right there. So awesome. So awesome. So yeah, it was the Cool Olympics. The Cool Olympics. Cool Olympics. And so uh it came down to uh I think there was a tiebreaker. And the tiebreaker involved one of your favorites. Jason, Michael Bublé. Oh, right. So he he came into play. He wasn't actually featured in this episode, but, oh. but Bublé does come into play during the Cool Olympics, judged by Lando Calrissian on the Cleveland Show. Who can get Michael Bublé on the phone the fastest? Who the f- is Michael Bublé? Michael, is that you? It's Cleveland. I got him. I got Bublé on the phone. I win the Cool Olympics. I win. Trick event. Michael Bublé ain't cool. Sorry, buddy. I had no choice. <laughs> and then, you know, he throws in that line. Of course. I had no choice. <laughs> yeah. You're a real hero. So, <laughs> very good. So, um, so Cleveland, you know, he wins that, uh, that part of the Cool Olympics. And uh, it's been a while since I've actually seen the episode itself. Um... I believe Cleveland. Uh, I believe he is successful. Oh, he, he wins. Win. I thought he was disqualified because he had got was able to get Buble. Oh, so that's not cool, right? He said Buble is not cool. Well, I don't know. All I all I know is that the uh, the Cool Olympics ended and Billy D. I mean Lando. Such a fine line between the two, isn't there? There really is. It's time for him to split. What a stressful experience. I'm definitely sleeping in your bed tonight. That's fine, because I'm not. (laughs) Works every time. (laughs) Takes off on a speeder bike. (laughs) So what was he trying to do? Be uncool, Billy D? In that clip? I think he was cool. Who was the guy speaking at the beginning? 
It was Cleveland Jr. Oh, oh, okay. I thought that. Then, but then the chick, she split with uh, with Lando on the speed. Oh, with okay, all right, all right. I couldn't yeah. tell who that was. I don't watch the show, so it's a little lost on me. Um, well, you know what? It had Billy D. So I watch anything Billy D. Sure. You know who else is? He's got his eye on uh, on uh, every all things Billy D. Is Conan O'Brien? Yeah. Earlier this week, Conan tweeted. Billy D. Williams was offered a role in Django Unchained, but he didn't want the D to be silent. Hello! <laughs> Works every time. That's going to wrap things up here. Rebel Force Radio for February 22nd, 2013. Big thanks to our very special guest in the cantina, Stephen Stanton. Do not, I repeat, do not miss Stephen Stanton this weekend as Admiral Tarkin on Star Wars The Clone Wars to catch a Jedi. Premiering this Saturday morning on Cartoon Network. I'll be there. Jimmy Mack, you'll be there with your bowl of cereal in the morning. You know I'll be there. If you'd like to listen to Rebel Force Radio on the actual radio near the greater Chicago area, you can do that on WCKG 1530 AM. We're on the air there from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time on Sundays. Elsewhere, you can download the WCKG app available for iPhone or Android devices, or you can listen to the live stream Right on your desktop machine at 1530wckg.com. Do not forget about WeLoveFine.com and their big Dark Side Design t-shirt contest. That's right, you can design an official Star Wars t-shirt and also win great prizes from WeLoveFine.com. The judges for this contest, Steve Sansweet, Adrian Curry, Chris Hardwick, and yours truly, Jason Swank and Jimmy back with Rebel Force Radio. So go ahead and go to WeLoveFine.com for all the details on how you can enter. If you just want to shop, you can do that and save 15% at WeLoveFine. Just use discount code RebelForce15. That's RebelForce15. We love the folks from We Love Fine. Also, big thanks to our sponsors for this week, Audible.com. Get your free audiobook download at AudiblePodcast.com slash RFR. Big news, Rebel Force Radio is now on Stitcher Radio. Stitcher is an award-winning free mobile app that you listen to your favorite podcasts like Rebel Force Radio, Clone Wars Declassified, all with just a touch of a couple of buttons. Jim, I know you're a big fan of Stitcher Radio. Love it, easy to use, always works. If you'd like to be part of the show in between releases, you can do so. Email us, show at rebelforceradio.com. That's show at rebelforceradio.com. The voicemail line, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. You can follow us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, 
at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank, and our official Facebook page, facebook.com slash Rebel Force Radio. iTunes is a great place for you to subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio and Clone Wars Declassified. Please do so. Leave us a review. Only one rule, Jimmy Mac. Make it good. Make it good. Official website, rebelforceradio.com. Coming soon in the meantime. You can check it out over there right now and listen to all the shows we've released so far. It's part of Rebel Force Radio, a new era in Star Wars podcasting. They're all available at rebelforceradio.com. Handy little player there. If you're into James Bond, we've got another podcast you might want to listen to, Bondcast. The latest episode is for your ears only. This is a special series within the Bondcast podcast. It takes a deep, deep look and listen to the music of 007, film by film, beginning with Dr. No. Laird Malamed sits Jimmy Mack down and schools him on the Dr. No soundtrack. And if you're a James Bond fan, you do not want to miss this. There's some stuff here that I learned from listening to Laird and Jimmy Mack talk that I never, ever knew. And I'm a pretty big Bond fan. It's a great, great way to spend an hour. If you'd like to hear the other side of Jimmy Mack, you can hear about everything you'd want to know and not want to know (laughs) about Jimmy Mack on SnyderMarksRadio.net podcast he does with his lovely wife and a good friend of ours here at Rebel Force Radio, Wendy Snyder. SnyderMarksRadio.net. Anything special planned this week, Jim? Well, it's Wendy's birthday party, so join us. Lots of stories to tell. SnyderMarksRadio.net. That's it. We're out of here, guys. We'll see you next week with all new Rebel Force Radio. Until then, Love you all so much. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mad. And remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs> Works every time.